with your vehicle lease ASAP. Over 200,000 customers per month looking to take over your lease. What a relief. Go to leasebusters.com. What's up, Toronto? Just past 12 o'clock noon, high of 22 today. Gareth Wheeler with you. This is Toronto Today. Kyrie Irving. What the blood? Out of nowhere, wants out of Cleveland as the Cavaliers franchise. It's been an off-season of dysfunction. And they're putting the word fun in dysfunctional for every other team in the Eastern Conference. Should the Raptors... Or how can the Raptors take advantage? 416-870-1050. 416-870-1050. Toll free at 1-855-591-6876. You can text me at 105050. The email live at tsn1050.ca. The text is 105050. I think this caught a lot of people off guard. Kyrie Irving demanding his way out of Cleveland. And this was the sports story of the weekend. I believe it broke on Friday, right, guys? Narsa? Skriz? I believe it was Friday when Irving said, hey, I'm out. But it wasn't him publicly saying it. It was released through sources. Brian Windhorst, Ramona Shelburne, people that are in touch with LeBron James Camp conveniently enough broke this story. And that's why Stephen A. Smith of ESPN, well, he knew knows who to point the finger at when it comes to when it comes to how this story got out. From what I'm being told, Kyrie's side of the camp is disgusted because their mentality is that they didn't put this out. They believe LeBron James and his camp put this out. LeBron James people obviously categorically deny such a thing, but Kyrie Irving's side of the camp believes that LeBron has put this out because LeBron was a bit perturbed at what he had heard Kyrie Irving told Cleveland Cavaliers management. So it clearly is a dysfunctional situation right now, and it seems to be going south. Yeah, no kidding. And the question is where they go next. Kyrie says he wants to go to one of four teams, the Heat, the Knicks, the T-Wolves. There's one more that I'm forgetting. Regardless, it's going to mean that the Cleveland Cavaliers, in my humble opinion, we're not so humble either way, will have to take a hit. They're going to get back a player that isn't as good as the player that they're losing. And, And look... They, they've missed out on a lot of big names over the course of the offseason because of players either going back on deals that they believe that they had in place. One featured Kevin Love in a deal for Paul George. And Kevin Love's sitting there on Instagram putting out, all good, life's good. He's just sitting there chilling out right now, seeing how these chips ended up getting played out. So the Cavaliers have missed the boat already on a lot of big-name players, and there's really only one big name that's still out there they can go get. And for me, it's not as important, or he won't be as important for team success as Kyrie Irving. And that's Carmelo Anthony, another veteran, another older player in the league that's still very good, has his deficiencies, especially from the defensive perspective, and a guy who's won jack squat. I mean... Carmelo Anthony is being the centerpiece of a likewise dysfunctional New York Knicks organization. And, and, and let's get, get this off our chest before we get into what the Raptors can or should do here. I don't blame Kyrie Irving whatsoever. It's got to be frustrating as a very good player. What would you say, a top 5, 10 offensive player in the NBA? 
Like, Kyrie is that good. Seeing him torch the Raptors when he has, how quick, how dynamic he is on the dribble, a natural scorer, maybe a little bit inconsistent to be one of the upper echelon superstars in the game, but does he have superstar intangibles and qualities? Yes. Kyrie is that good. And when you're a star player, and it's not so much living in the shadow of one guy in LeBron James, but it's more than just a shadow. You're living in LeBron James' world, okay? You're living where what LeBron James says goes. It's a dictatorship in Cleveland. It's not just about on the court. It's off the court decisions. The future of the franchise hinges on what LeBron is going to do next. Is he going to go to L.A. or not? I would hate for another player, one of five guys, one of four other guys who are on the court with me, is making all the decisions and holding all the power within one organization. I wouldn't like that, especially if I'm a star player. So Kyrie throws up his hands and says, I've had enough, and I get it, and I'm not going to kill Kyrie Irving for it. Tony Rizzo uh, guested on the show, a a regular out of Cleveland, radio host down in Cleveland, had this to say on Naylor Landsberg this morning on why Kyrie wants out. He wants to be the man. And you got to understand, in Cleveland, he's never going to be the man. Now, apparently there are new stories out this morning that Kyrie was taken aback when his name was tossed around, and it was, in trade talks for Jimmy Butler and Paul George. And somehow this got out, and it got to him, and it upset him. He also was upset that he wasn't kept in the loop like LeBron is during some of these trade talks that Dan Gilbert and Kobe Altman, his now general manager, were involved in. So there you go. And I think it's more about the latter than the former. He might want to be the man, but he wants to have some sort of power, some sort of say, and I don't blame him whatsoever. It's easy playing with LeBron James on the court. It's not easy LeBron James's world. So here we are right now. Kyrie Irving potentially being traded. I, what would you say the percentage is? 60-40? 70-30 that he's traded? Like, I don't know how, if, if LeBron James's people are leaking this news out, I don't know how he goes back and everything's amicable. And if he ends up with the New York Knicks, Kyrie, a very good player playing in the Raptors division, team with him and Porzingis looks a lot better than a team with Carmelo and Porzingis. Just Carmelo's on his way down in his career. So maybe Carmelo ends up with his boy LeBron James in Cleveland. To me, that team is not as formidable as the Kyrie, LeBron, Kevin Love, and company. But if the dysfunction is set in and has set in, and they have a new general manager in Cleveland, you have LeBron James and a future that's cloudy, at best, in terms of the long for, long-term forecast on whether or not he stays in Cleveland, the Eastern Conference, based on the players who have gone out of the East, is more open than it has been in recent years. Since LeBron James was in Cleveland the first time, because Miami, Juggernaut, with LeBron, Dwayne Wade, and Chris Bosh, and when LeBron went back to Cleveland with Kyrie, with Kevin Love, 
I mean, they were by far and away the best team. LeBron turns 33 this year. Father time will catch up to LeBron James like it does every significant player in the NBA. Every all-time great. It's only the Toronto Maple Leafs right now that believe they can bring in 36-plus-year-old players and (laughs) they're still going to be really solid contributors. It's not always the case. And we'll see what LeBron brings this year with a team without Kyrie that won't be as good. So if you're the Toronto Raptors, you're sitting there saying, okay, what do we do? Perhaps the Raptors look like geniuses. Perhaps it looks like they've been completely on point for bringing back their big three. DeMar DeRozan was always going to return back, but the decision to bring back Serge Ibaka... Maybe he didn't have many more options. Still a solid contributor to this team. Same thing goes for Kyle Lowry. Maybe he was out of options. Maybe he had no other landing spot in the NBA. But the Toronto Raptors could have said, eh, thanks, but no thanks. They played the, the ego of Lowry to a certain degree. Give him $33 million plus a season over the next three. Which is overpaying over the short term. There's no denying that. But still, a, a big three... And this is an augmented big three. This is a Raptors big three. Kyle, DeMar, Serge. Two All-Stars. Pretty solid. Some good role players on the team. Valanciunas maybe can still do a job. Norm Powell, decent player off the bench. Some good young players who were significant players in the Raptors 905. The D-League, now G-League team last year. There's some pretty nice pieces on this team. Yet, this offseason, what's happened? Okay, they had C.J. Miles. Uh, they desperately needed a three-point shooter. At least one score from the perimeter. They bring him in. But the rest of the moves they've made have been about salary dump, dumps and shedding players on this team. They would have liked to bring back P.J. Tucker. He chose to go down and play for Houston with the Rockets. I was in Houston. There's no way it's a nicer city than Toronto. It's kind of dead. Lacks character. Lacks personality. But hey, he thinks he has a chance to win. With Chris Paul, James Harden. Good reason to believe that he has a good chance to do so there. Despite being in the same conference as the Warriors. I get it. He's a Texas guy. So he moves on. That's the one that hurts. Patrick Patterson. He gone. Down to the Thunder. And then you dump the contract of Corey Joseph. I like Corey Joseph as a player. I like how he's a local guy. It means something. It meant something to play for this Raptors team. He's shed so the Raptors can stay or hover around the luxury tax threshold. That doesn't seem right to me. And to Murray Carroll, I mean, to me, damaged goods. You had to give up something to get rid of that contract. But it was the fact they got rid of Corey to get into the salary tax threshold where I don't know if that's the right move. And that all depends on what the Raptors do next. So I'm asking you, should the Raptors go all out now to bring in players, even if it's on or with a significant salary, to improve their team now? Because perhaps that window, that door that was closed... In the Eastern Conference, perhaps it's opened up a little bit more. Seeing that Kyrie Irving 
wants to be traded, and there's clear and present dysfunction in Cleveland. Should the Raptors go all out, not worry about the luxury tax to add to this team right now? Because there is a chance. 416-870-1050. 416-870-1050. And toll free at 1-855-591-6876. That's toll free at 1-855-591-6876. At Wheeler TSN on Twitter. The text is 105050. The email is live at tsn1050.ca. I unequivocally say yes. And so often, we as sports fans have been told to care about salary cap implications. And and I get it because it's the way that teams are built now here in North America. But in the NBA, when you have a chance to spend more, to be better, to be more, you got to take advantage of it. The Raptors, over the course of their franchise history, have never spent into the luxury tax. Never. You can look at it no matter how you want. Whether the team just hasn't been good enough to justify spending or whether that's a calculated decision by the organization, they're unwilling to go there. But if there is ever going to be the time, it's now. And instead of advocating spending more, and it could be a lot more, we are told it's all about fiscal responsibility. Well, at a time like this, if you believe that the window is opened a little bit in the Eastern Conference... And, and that's what it's about. It's not about the overall landscape of the NBA right now. Because let's just look at, look at things through the lens of an Eastern Conference. You may not be able to become better, no matter what move you make, than the Golden State Warriors, the Houston Rockets. You can go down the list of very good Western Conference teams. In the East, you have a chance. If LeBron's team is weakened around him, he's turning 33 this year, who knows? You might have a better opportunity, a better chance, if you can add something more right now. If, you, if you've committed to Lowry, if you've committed to DeRozan, if you've committed to Ibaka, then make a push. It shouldn't be about staying out of the luxury tax anymore. It shouldn't be about political capital later on. It shouldn't be about staying in the good books of the board of directors. It should be making a competitive push to do all you can to win in the here and now. We the fans too often, I mean, fans pay big money to go down to see a Raptors game. The television contract in the NBA has made all of these organizations exceptionally wealthy. And the players have benefited from that as well. This should be a Raptors team that is as good with the potential of being better than the team last year. Depending on what they add. As of right now, they've added one piece. Does that make them better? No. But this offseason is not done. It's not over. And there are players that can be brought in who are more than serviceable that can add to this group. Nikola Miritich is a forward in Chicago. Do I love the player? No. Do I like the player? Absolutely. 26 years old, led the Chicago Bulls and made three-point shots last year. His percentage was only around 34%. Not great. It was kind of like Patrick Patterson-esque last year. But a guy who in the past, has shot a much better percentage from three. He can make them. And in this NBA, you can have no shortage of three-point shooters. Someone that can extend the floor, create more room for Kyle, create more room for DeMar DeRozan. Why not go there? And if the answer is dollars, then I call BS. 
Because I, I don't I don't care about posturing politically within the organization long term. I care about improving this team right now. And when I see what's going on in Cleveland, that gives me way more incentive. Look, if, if the Cleveland Cavaliers brought in Paul George, kept LeBron, had Kyrie, added some other pieces across the board to improve their team, then I get it. Then, then, then why spend unnecessarily in the here and the now? But if you're the Raptors, you see what's played out over the course of the last week in Cleveland, and even extend it further than that, see what's played out over the course of the offseason, you got to be tempted. You have to have the conversation to see what you can do to go into the luxury for a change for once and not just play it safe. This is the time where you swing for the fence. I don't see Kyrie Irving staying. I I don't. And if he stays, how amicable is it going to be? Like, it, it just seems there's a lot of hurt feelings here. And it's not something that, you know, just a handshake, a hug will clear up. The GM is gone. And the Raptors, they, they, they're in a good spot. They've done everything right this offseason, other than not landing P.J. Tucker. It was an astute move not to blow it up, not to rebuild right now. The Celtics add Gordon Hayward. Okay. So the Celtics will be a better team. Do Hayward, Horford, Isaiah Thomas, how much better are they than Ibaka, Lowry, DeRozan? The Raptors have a puncher's chance here. They really, really do. But they need to add more. Josh Lewenberg's going to join me at the bottom of the clock. He's going to weigh in on this as well. But I want to hear your thoughts. Should the Raptors be, be, be making a push to add more in the here and now? To take advantage of any dysfunction in Cleveland, 416-870-1050, 416-870-1050, toll free at 1-855-591-6876. Masai Ujiri's off to do his Giants of Africa next month. He's going to be off the radar if you're going to make moves, it's got to be quick. you got to have that plan in place. And I hope when Masai Ujiri, with new general manager Bobby Webster, when he disclosed heading into the offseason that there's about five different paths that they can take, I hope that one of the paths is still open where this team can spend more and bring back more. Because just adding C.J. Miles, just adding your first-round draft pick, I like both players, I like both moves, but is it enough to take advantage of the current climate that you're in right now? The Milwaukee Bucks are still developing, the Chicago Bulls have torn it down, the Miami Heat haven't been able to add that much, the 76ers, they're not going to be there yet, it's going to take them time, you're in a nice nice, soft spot where you could take advantage of a weak Eastern Conference and where the team that's on the throne right now is vulnerable. Rob hit me up. Yeah, you want to add, but however, Kyrie isn't gone yet. And if he ex- exits Cleveland, they'll get a handsome return. I don't know what they'll get. Will they get a handsome return? Who's available other than Carmelo Anthony right now? That's the thing. There isn't, there aren't players widely available. Jimmy Butler's landed in Minnesota. Paul George landed in Oklahoma. What are you getting back for Kyrie Irving? For me, you're not getting value in the here and the now. 
So it's going to ask a whole lot of a 33-year-old or what will be a 33-year-old LeBron James to completely carry the mail. Josh Lundberg is going to join me at the bottom of the clock. Um, wanted to mention the Toronto Blue Jays, if you're still paying attention. It's one of those things right now where the Blue Jays, and Blue Jays media does a great job at this. They tell you to look over here at the shiny light while dysfunction's playing out before our eyes. And where that shiny light is right now is what's going on with some of their prospects in the system. You know you're a loser team when you're pointing out players in single and double A as being the main conversation about the team. Read my piece on Vladimir Guerrero Jr. On Bo Bichette. Great futures in front of us. Okay, let's take it each on that. Because that's an off-season story. That's a story for a loser organization. Last time I checked, the Blue Jays were supposed to be competitive this year. Remember that? When Steve Phillips would come on this station and say, I think the Blue Jays are going to win the AL East. When people around this city selling that Aaron Sanchez, makings of a Cy Young Award winner, even Francisco Liriano. That, don't worry about Jose Bautista. Last year was just a bad year. Well, it's all gone pear-shaped for the Toronto Blue Jays. Another dismal road swing. And anyone trying to sell the idea of hope coming out of the All-Star break, they were lying to you. I said this coming out of the All-Star break. The Blue Jays had a 10-game road swing coming out of the All-Star break. An extremely difficult schedule. And look, shouldn't surprise anyone, 3-10 and 10 since the All-Star break. All road games. And they're done. They're buried. They're dusted. They're the joint second-worst team in the American League with Oakland. We sit here and make fun of Oakland. Yet this Blue Jays team is full of underachievers. And I've hit out up before at the front office and what they didn't do over the course of last offseason. But it's more about the accountability of the players on the field. Josh Donaldson's having a horrible year. He was injured at the start of the year. And since that time, he's come back. His defense, he made his 10th error of the season yesterday. He's hitting 238. Doesn't look like a superstar. Doesn't look like a $20 million a year player. Yet we take it easy on him. Because he's a former MVP about what he's done in the past, not the future. Same thing goes for Troy Tulowitzki. I started this train months ago. Why isn't there any criticism for Tulo? He's let off the hook. He's a $20 million a year shortstop who stunk or played at best mediocre since he's got here. And to expect the starting staff to turn over from last year and pick up where they left off, where there were no injuries, there were career years from Estrada, from Hap, it wasn't going to happen. There was going to be a regression. And a great story like Justin Smoke has been nowhere good enough to save this team. But it comes to personal accountability for the players on the field. And they'd be nowhere near good enough. This team is miserable to watch. I don't know why anyone would want to watch this team right now. This team on paper should be better than they are, but the players have let you, the fans, down. The Blue Jays are an aging team. It's been said so many times there was a window of opportunity that they didn't take advantage of this year. The Blue Jays in four Sunday games in July, four Sunday games, have lost all four by a combined run total of 48 to 8. 
48 to 8. They've been outscored by 40 runs in four games on Sundays. Are you kidding me? And this is the con- this tells you the story of a team mailing it in. I'll never forget this. It was like last summer, the Cleveland Indians were in town. And they were just on a double-digit win streak. It was 10 or 12 games. And they lost to the Blue Jays on the Saturday afternoon. And it was where there was like a 17 or 18 inning game on the Friday night. They won that. They lost on the Saturday. So the win streak came to an end. And all the boys were out at the TFC game on the Saturday night. And they were heading out on the town after because they were like, well, Saturday night, we don't have to play. We're all together. We're going to go out and have a time. And Corey Kluber pitched the next day, and the Blue Jays lit them up. It was something like 18-1. Like, it wasn't even close. Like, Cleveland mailed in that ball game. The Blue Jays are mailing in Sunday games. Are they going out and partying on a Saturday night? Because that's typically what, happen, what, what happens. 15-1, 19-1, Or are they just that bad? I have a hard time believing that they're, they're just that bad. They should be at least better than this. Maybe not top the division, but it's been miserable. Don't be distracted by what people put out there about the future. This team was built to win now. And the fact there hasn't been a bigger autopsy on what's gone wrong and people haven't been held accountable for the, for the failures of this team, it's a head-scratcher for me. John Gibbons, safe, cozy, no problem. The players, all good. It's all about the future now. All of a sudden, isn't that funny how you just switch up storylines and focuses just like that? Just keep on coming out and watching, folks. We're all sheep to a certain degree. The Blue Jays stink. It's been a miserable season. This team, 10 games under 500, an absolute joke of a year they were supposed to contend. That we all forget about that. We'll get into the Raptors, what they need to do to try to close the gap on the Cleveland Cavaliers with all the dysfunction going on in Cleveland. Have your say. The text is 1050.50. The email live at tsn1050.ca at WheelerTSN on Twitter. Josh Lewenberg, our Raptors reporter, will join us next and let you know what he thinks the Raptors should do, if anything. That's coming up next. Gareth Wheeler with you. This is Toronto Today, TSN 1050. WTF coming up in about 10, well, make it 12 minutes time. In today's WTF, it features a donkey, a shark, and Ronald McDonald. Yeah, really a WTF indeed. We'll get into all those stories that are interesting, inconceivable, incoherent as we close out the show at the top of the clock. Gareth Wheeler with you at Wheeler TSN on Twitter. The story of the weekend was the dysfunction in Cleveland, and the story ain't going anywhere. Kyrie Irving wants out, which could mean you're going to get value. In return, or at least a player or players who in the here and the now can help the Cavaliers be a better team more than Kyrie Irving. So we'll wait and see what happens on that front. All kinds of trade rumors. Now Bill Simmons 
saying that he's hearing that Oklahoma City circling around Carmelo Anthony, who seemed like a logical fit in Cleveland based on his relationship with LeBron James. So potentially even more moving pieces and parts in this crazy NBA offseason. So what, if anything, could or should the Raptors do to take advantage? Covering the Raptors does a great job for us here at TSN, TSN 1050. is my good buddy Josh Lewenberg at JLU 1050 on Twitter, and he joins me on the line right about now. Were, were you caught by surprise by all this Kyrie stuff breaking on Friday, Josh? I've been caught by surprise with mostly everything that's happened this summer, Wheels. What a wild, <laughs> unpredictable off-season. And usually by this time, things are dying down and getting pretty quiet. It's late July, normally August, September. This is when uh, executives go on vacation, start to actually enjoy their summer. But as you mentioned, the Kyrie thing isn't going away. The Carmelo Anthony thing, although, uh, granted, he's been on the trade block for, what, three, four years, that seems to be heating up. So uh, it, it's not going away anytime soon. The NBA never sleeps. Now, with this, most Raptors fans up here looking, and most teams in the Eastern Conference, in fairness, are looking at Cleveland right now with a smile on their face. A new general manager, LeBron's future um, cloudy at best in terms of the forecast of him staying in Cleveland. And now this with Kyrie, this has to be great news for everyone else in the Eastern Conference, Josh. Well, it is. They're vulnerable. They're not dead yet, though. And that's the one caveat here. Uh, LeBron isn't going anywhere until next summer at the absolute earliest. And I don't agree with you on Kyrie Irving. I think he's got huge trade value right now he's young he's one of the most uh, talented at least offensive players in the NBA and then Cleveland actually has some leverage it's not like the Paul George situation where George uh, is going into the final year of his contract and has made it clear where he wants to end up making ultimately a lot of teams sort of nervous about the idea of trading for him as a rental it's not the Carmelo Anthony situation where Melo has a no-trade clause and can essentially dictate where he wants to go. I mean, Kyrie Irving went into the the office, uh, apparently, with uh, four teams that he'd prefer to go to, but the Cavs are under no obligation to send him to those teams. If I'm um, Cleveland, I'm ripping up that list and basically sending him to any uh, other team. So they can hold out as long as they need to and wait until they get something close to fair value, and I I think they'll get something pretty close to it. Their goal, at least for the next 12 months, is to continue to win, and I I think they might be able to do it. Really? You think they can get fair value? Like Kyrie, for me, Josh, in terms of offensive players in the NBA, top five, top ten? Like, he's that dynamic, right? Like, he's that good. I don't know how they bring back a player that that can provide the value that he provides for that team. One for one, probably not, but if they can get a couple players, especially in the situation that they were in, where adding guys as a tax team, as a team that's capped out, adding players is extremely difficult, verging on impossible. They were looking at moving Kevin Love to basically do the same thing that I think they could end up doing by moving Kyrie Irving. Now, obviously, because of the position, they need to find a, a top 10 
point guard at the yeah, very least luck. in order to yeah, – I mean, it, it's easier said than done, but there are a lot of great point guards out there in the NBA right now. One of the reasons why the value wasn't very high in the free agent market for Kyle Lowry, there's so many of those guys out there. So this, if they can find a point guard in a trade scenario and add another piece – they could actually be a better team, as as crazy as that is to say. Remember, as good as Kyrie Irving is offensively, he's just as bad defensively. He's one of the worst defensive players in the league at his position. Um, and one of the reasons why I think he'll find he's making a mistake by asking out of a good situation, a situation playing next to a player in LeBron James that masks a lot of his deficiencies as a player. So I, I don't think the Cavaliers are dead, at least not uh, in the immediate future, but they are vulnerable, and it does create a, an opportunity, not just for the Raptors, but for a lot of teams in the East over the next year or two. And this is why, and we talked about this wheels back when the Raptors were still the, uncertain uh, on the direction that they were going to choose. There's value in remaining competitive, especially in the Eastern Conference, especially now. So let's spin it to the Raptors. Josh Lewenberger, Raptors beat reporter, joining us here on Toronto Today. I'm Wheels, at JLU1050 on Twitter. The, the Raptors made all the right moves, essentially. Like, they lost P.J. Tucker, but... P.J. just chose a different spot, going back to the state of Texas, a very good team in the Houston Rockets. Other than that, the Raptors bring back Ibaka, bring back Lowry, bring in a three-point shooter in C.J. Miles. They've at least held serve here. And that seemed to be the better way of approaching things, especially considering what's trending in the Eastern Conference, where the conference is, is in a soft spot. It's weaker than the Western Conference, and it isn't even close. What more, if anything, can they do to try to take advantage of potentially a worse-off Cleveland Cavaliers team this year? Yeah, well, first of all, I think the state of the Eastern Conference was a big factor in ultimately deciding to keep the band together and continue to go for it. Um, but their options at the moment are, are very limited. Uh, when the Raptors used their full mid-level exception to sign C.J. Miles, they triggered a hard cap, and, and that actually would have been the case even if they would have structured the Joseph deal as a sign-and-trade. Um, so as of this moment, they're somewhere in the neighborhood of, I think it's $7.5 million under that hard cap. Josh, most- sorry, sorry to cut you off. Why would they do that? Why would they trigger a hard cap? Uh, they didn't really have much of a choice, assuming they wanted to add C.J. Miles, because, again, it was either a sign-and-trade or you had to use the mid-level exception on him. Okay, so why couldn't they have executed a sign-and-trade then? Oh, they, the, the sign-and-trade would have triggered the hard cap as well. Okay, so was there any way to avoid the hard cap? Because you dump Corey Joseph, which is a salary dump, essentially, to stay below the salary cap, and that just, to a lot of people, shows that this team simply isn't willing to spend into the luxury. Right. Which which seems counterintuitive to putting a better team on the court and really doing all you can to challenge a team like Cleveland. Right, so here's the thinking, I, I think, from their perspective. Um, they trigger the hard cap. They're about $7.5 million under it right now. So the most that they can spend in free agency is uh, the biannual exception, which is about $3.5 million or the veteran minimum, a little bit less than that. Um, so the only way they can actually use that 7.5 is if they were to absorb salary in a trade, which currently seems unlikely. They've got these two trades. But they, but they could do that if they wanted. They could take back they, more salary, go into the, the, the tax, and that would be allowed. For, for $7.5 million, just up until the hard cap. So they've got these two trade exceptions, which are worth 
roughly $18 million, which normally you can absorb in a trade. But once you've triggered that hard cap, you cannot exceed it under any circumstance. So essentially, those trade exceptions are useless right now. Where this gets interesting is next summer. The trade exceptions expire in a year, so it'll be around mid-July of 2018. The hard cap disappears on July 1st of 2018. So they'll have about 10 days to use these things. Um, whether or not they do or they don't, I think, depends on a couple factors. One, how do they do this year? Do they feel like they're a piece away from truly taking the next step? And two, and probably most importantly, what is up with the Cavs? If LeBron James leaves and they feel like this is an opportunity for them, they have an opportunity at that point to absorb a player that makes up to $18 million in a trade. Um, Now, you still have to pay tax on that money, which I think is the big reason why, to answer your question, they didn't make the decision to do that and stay under that hard cap and and add through trade this year. You still have to pay tax on it. And that opportunity to take advantage of the Cavaliers, as I said, probably doesn't exist right now because they're still very, very good. Next year, that opportunity could exist. And now the Raptors have a couple of assets in those trade exceptions that could be very valuable as teams try and dump salary next summer. Okay, that's, that's a great description. And, and thanks for clearing that up. But at the same time, people will look at this organization and say, well, they've never spent into the tax. So yep. as long as you keep on saying, well, maybe next year, maybe next year, you continue to build in a reason why you should let them off the hook in the here and the now. I just don't understand like the insistence to stay away from the luxury tax when all teams across the NBA are making money hand over fist. And you see dysfunction in Cleveland right now. It seems like the time is right to strike this year, not next year. I. I just don't think there's much value in doing it right now. Where does it get them? I mean, first of all... It could get you to get to an, an NBA final, potentially. LeBron James is going to be 33. If it's just him and Kevin Love and Kyrie Irving's gone, what are the Cavaliers? They lost their general manager already. There's dysfunctioning. There, there's rumblings that, that LeBron wants to go. Like, I'm looking at that, licking my chops right now, saying, you know what, maybe us and the Celtics, we got a real chance here. I don't know who, I mean, like I said, the Cavaliers are still very good, and they're going to get something for Kyrie Irving. I don't know who the Raptors add at this point that's available um, that narrows that gap enough to make it worth it. Uh, I mean, even if, let's say, they don't trigger that hard cap, you can add a player in a trade that's worth $18 million. As we've seen with the type of players the Raptors are currently trying to dump, uh, those major difference makers, it's not like free agency going out and adding a a Kevin Durant. The, The guys that are available in salary dumps around the league are not major difference makers. So while they could help some, um, I I don't think you're adding someone in that way that's going to make up the gap between the Raptors and the Cavs right now. Maybe next year that's a different story. Maybe, I mean, okay, take Carmelo Anthony, for example. Now, obviously, he has the no-trade clause. He'd have to agree to come to Toronto. Uh, If they were to do that right now, if they were, uh, again, assuming they didn't trigger that hard cap, if they were to absorb his salary, does Carmelo Anthony or a player like Carmelo Anthony make the Raptors better than the Cavaliers right now? Maybe. It gives them a chance that you have like two all-stars, and if you consider Carmelo an all-star as well, and in a lot of people's eyes, he still is. Yeah, that makes you a way better team. It makes you a better team. I still don't think it puts you over the Cavaliers now next summer again. If you're, you're telling me, you're, sorry, Josh, you're telling me you wouldn't take Demar, Kyle, Carmelo, and 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 Ibaka 
as four of your starting five against LeBron, Kevin Love, and whoever else they end up with? I'd roll the dice. I'd take that chance. Well, first of all, I don't, I don't think it's a great fit. I mean, I'm just using Carmelo Anthony as an example because he's a guy that makes uh, a, a, a lot of money that we know is, is available right now. Um, but I think it's sort of similar to the Rudy Gay situation. Uh, he's a high-volume scorer, similar to what Rudy was. You put him, obviously, better than Rudy Gay, but you put him next to DeMar DeRozan, um, a couple guys that don't give you much on the defensive end at two crucial positions. But I'm the NBA sure that... is all about scoring. Like, we're, we're just looking at teams that can light it up. Those are the best teams in the league, and he's another guy that can hit an outside shot. I, I, I mean, listen, Carmelo, he has detractors, and rightfully so, but he's still an elite-level scorer in the NBA. and, and like in a, in a very similar way to DeMar DeRozan. I mean, hit a shot. He's not but he can a hit a three-point three. shooter. He can not hit a three. Well. He's not an elite three-point shooter. Better than DeMar. Around, around Rudy Gay caliber three-point shooter. I'd still I, take I, that right now on this team. I would. I mean, I would roll the dice because, listen, like, I get the patience for next summer. I get the whole idea. Let's see what Cleveland happens to Cleveland next summer, let alone this summer. But, I mean, at some point, you're going to have to swing big, whether it's now, whether it's then, um, especially when you have these three guys who are all in their prime in DeMar, Kyle, and Serge. And if you don't take that big swing, you might look back five years down the road when you're really rebuilding and say, man, I wish we pushed things a little bit more. Right. But keep in mind in this hypothetical scenario where they don't trigger their hard cap, they go after a guy like Mello or a player like him that makes that salary, they absorb it in the trade exception. They don't have C.J. Miles in this scenario, so three-point shooting is still an issue for them. And they'd be paying what would amount to one of the most expensive tax bills in NBA history. Again, for a team that's better than it probably is right now, but not good enough, in my opinion, to compete with any team led by LeBron James, even if you assume Kyrie Irving is gone for um, lesser value, but still something. I still think the Cavaliers are the best team in the Eastern Conference. Boston is a team, even with an added piece like Mello, that would be right around their level. Um, and then certainly you're not good enough to actually win a title and compete with those teams in the Western Conference. So I'm not sure they're better off. They're in a much more expensive scenario that way. And like this, as I said, you, you uh, see where your young guys can develop to this year, see what this team can do. And in a year from now, if the Cavs truly are in a vulnerable scenario where they're taking a step back and there's an opportunity in the Eastern Conference, you've then added two very valuable assets in the trade exceptions that can allow you to go all in. Something, by the way, that the Raptors wouldn't have had an opportunity to do otherwise. Mm-hmm. They're a cap team, uh, and normally when you make a trade, it's got to be almost one for one in terms of dollar value. Now, in a year from now, they can add uh, salary in a trade that basically only a, a small handful of teams can do, and those teams are generally the ones that have cap space, the Brooklyn Nets and the Philadelphia 76ers of the world. So they'll be in a unique situation. Good stuff, buddy. I mean, it's a great debate to have. I don't care how much the organization spends. I just want to see the best team on the court as possible. All these basketball teams are making money hand over fist, so I don't buy the crying poor. And I'm not saying that they are, but I don't think that that should be something that the fans should be concerned about. And I, I, I think there's an opportunity here to spend now and reap the benefits. But we'll continue. we, we got to go, J. Lou, but we'll continue this conversation as the summer rolls on. Okay, bud? 
Sounds good, Wheels. JLU, at JLU1050 on Twitter, always doing a great job. Great explanation right there as well. Uh, our TSN 1050 Raptors reporter. Have your say. The text is 105050 at Wheeler TSN on Twitter. WTF coming up next. This is Toronto Today on TSN 1050. They defeat the Toronto Blue Jays 19-1. to Oh, that's nasty. You come to the rink to see something maybe you've never seen before. And that might be one of those moments. It's only two dudes better than me. And I'm both of them. Stay off the weed. W-T-F. Not much more time for WTF, but we got some doozies today. It's those stories that make you say WTF. Gareth Wheeler with you. Okay, can we just get this out of the way? Shark Week is awesome on Discovery. We all get that. But Michael Phelps versus a shark was nothing but a tease. I'm not sure what people expected, but... Not for the first time in Earth's history, humans have been found wanting. Mankind's latest setback came last night. Michael Phelps lost a 100-meter swimming race to a great white shark. The shark wasn't even real. The 28-time Olympic medalist, uh, he lost to the shark. I mean, and it was like a modified shark. It wasn't even a real one. Do people actually think that a shark was going to like be in a straight-up race? Against Michael Phelps, like it's not like the guy racing a horse where you can just run straight. Last time I checked in water, you can go any direction. So I'm not sure why people were surprised. I wonder if Michael Phelps, like he has a history with being on the weed. I wonder if he came up with this idea while hitting his bong a couple years ago. I could beat a shark. No, you can't. From a shark to a donkey. Joey Votto, Canadian, Etobicoke. Paid up on a deal he made with teammate Zach Kozar prior to the All-Star break. Votto promised Kozart if he made the All-Star team, he would give him the gift of a donkey. A donkey. Kozart really loves donkeys for some reason. So the deal seemed too good to be true. And on Instagram, Votto posted it like he actually gave Kozart a white donkey. Kozart, his wife, and son Cooper all met the donkey and even fed him in hopes of forming a quick bond. So there you go. Ronald McDonald, how do you feel about clowns? Creepy? A little bit creepy? Yeah. Well, Ronald McDonald, the most famous of all clowns, no offense, Krusty, walked Manchester United and Real Madrid out onto the field in a friendly in Santa Clara, California yesterday and shook the hand of all the players. I would have much preferred the Hamburglar, but this is the corporate influence on sports taking over far too much. Keep that clown off the field. That's a clown move, bro. Clown move, bro. I got plenty more good stories I'll share them tomorrow. Thanks to Scrizzy, Joe Narsa, Scott Ferguson's in the Sports Center, uh, Sports Center Update booth, and Scott MacArthur's coming up next. On behalf of everyone here at TSN 1050, I'm Wheels. Enjoy the rest of your day, Toronto. Wow, that's messed up.